What's good, friends? List episode 54 of the Game Pass Gamecast coming at you. Smart delivery has been a tentpole of Microsoft's marketing plan surrounding the Xbox Series X, promising simplicity in a gamer's first mentality when transitioning your gaming experience with cross-generational titles. And it looks as though Microsoft is pushing to have the initiative widespread. So this week, we examine how Microsoft plans to achieve universal application for smart delivery with both first and third party titles, and if this could potentially be the first major wedge in truly making the console experience more PC-like. Also, sources say that Microsoft has now entered conversations with AT&T regarding the sale of WB games, including studios like Rocksteady, NetherRealm, and Monolith. But what makes Xbox the right home for these studios compared to other publishers like EA, Take-Two, and Activision, who are said to be interested as well. Plus, over 30 minutes of Assassin's Creed Valhalla has leaked ahead of Ubisoft's digital event next week, but is that all Ubisoft has up their sleeve? We give our predictions for Ubisoft Forward and what you could potentially expect to see at the event this Sunday. All of this and much more on the newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast. <laughs> now the fun begins. Back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversations around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us wherever you get a podcast at, rate us, review us, all that jazz, and follow us on Twitter at gp gc podcast stay up to date with everything regarding the show video games like and our dope giveaways as always i'm your host travis white aka travelis on most internet platforms joining me as always my co-host my partner in crime mike p pack mike what's good what's going on and what have you been playing and how have you been dealing with the fucking sahara that we've been dealing with in western pennsylvania yeah it's been it's been really brutal <laughs> brutal we, i mean we're even in and i'm sure for people around the world, um, you know, it's nothing that crazy, I guess. Like, it's been, like, lower 90s, mid-90s consistently for a week straight now. And even today, our county and a couple of other surrounding counties, even Pittsburgh, the one that Pittsburgh resides in, uh, was in a code orange for air quality with humidity and whatnot and factored in the heat. So, it's been fucking hot, man. It's been hot and humid. It's getting out of control. How have you been dealing with it? <laughs> I, I've been just trying to live, uh, basically just survive. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of the heat, so it's literally a little bit of a struggle. Spoilers for the end of Halo Reach, a you know, 10-year-old video game now at this point, but literally objective, survive. <laughs> it's literally how it's been the past couple of weeks. but Right. Uh, so, but on the other hand, what have you been playing? Let's talk about good via games. What have you been playing, man? Well, I have just been playing more of the same, but I was really excited to get home and buy Neo today, but it appears that the Steam Summer Sale has concluded. Oh, so yeah. So Neo is no longer half half off, so it is $49.99 instead of like 24 or whatever. So I don't know that I'll be buying that right now. I'll probably be waiting now. But uh, yeah, so hopefully I'll pick up Neo pretty soon and get to play that. Even though it does say, and I just because I searched it real quick, I wonder if it pulls it up. 
because I just searched it on Google. Oh no, okay, it changed on there. The Google listing, the SEO for it must not have updated because mm-hmm. the search result for it says, still says save 50%. Um, I'm curious to see if it's... I bet it's cheaper somewhere else. But I'm anyways, sure it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure like, you, one I'm, of the key sites. Or yeah, whatever, yeah, you can you can cheese it around a little bit. But I've heard good things about Neo. I've, I've heard really good things from at least the console port of it um, being a good Souls-like alternate. Um, mm-hmm. But I, that's something that I guess... I've never gotten too balls deep into it. I mean, really, Sekiro was the one game that I actually said, okay, I'm going to give this a legitimate try. I've tried Dark Souls Remastered. I've never really had that admiration to get into Souls-like games um, just because, I don't know, I, me personally, I'm cool with investing time and seeing rewards out of it, but I also don't want to like fucking ram my head into a wall for 40 hours just to get through something and you know, then feel like, yes, I did it, where, to me, that isn't necessarily, I don't get that feeling of success from that, if that makes any sense. Right, absolutely, no, and, I mean, it's from uh, Team Ninja, and Uh it's a game that's going to be similar to, uh, like, a Ninja Gaiden, in a way, Uh so I'm just excited about it. No, definitely, and I mean, like I said, I've heard stellar things about it being this alternate, and almost that spiritual successor to a Ninja Gaiden, so... Uh, no, that's cool. I've I've never really thought about getting into it, but I like I said, I keep hearing good things about it. Um, on my end, I'm trying to think what all I have been playing. I've been kind of bouncing around. One thing that I have gotten deep into, um, well, I guess before I sh- before I say that, I'm not sure if I talked about this last week or not, but I played through Firewatch. Um, Picked it up during the Steam Summer Sale from Campo Santos, who is now acquired by Valve. It is a Valve studio, though that was already out beforehand, but you get what I'm saying. Um, yeah. An excellent... It's one of those games that is... It's a walking simulator for the most part, um, but it's a really good interactive walking simulator where it's, it's meant to tell a story, it's meant to tell a specific story, and it's meant to... It tailors the beginning of the game to for you to experience. So there's different narratives that you can get in different, you know, pathways that they'll start you out on that you can mold and stuff. You could tell the truth, lie, different things like that. Um, but it takes place. Basically you are somebody who is a forest ranger who watches for fires throughout the forest. And I believe it is Utah. I think I can't remember it off the top of my head, but the writing, the dialogue, everything is so stellar. It really made me excited for eventually whenever we get in the Valley of the Gods from Campo Santos, now being a full-on, you know, funded Valve game that, you know, with that Valve Steam money that they have, you know, I'm really excited to see where that goes to, uh, especially my fiance is like in love with Egyptian stuff. So I'm definitely, it's, it's very much themed in that. So that'll be something we could definitely play through but the other big game that i've been playing that i haven't played in really since it probably came out and i played it on 360 i would imagine um portal 2 i don't know why i really wanted to get into it um i'm still playing through it but i was in the mood for just something kind of like man what is what's something i can not turn my brain off but keep me active and keep me engaged but not a necessary like I thought I wanted to play an RPG, started playing Red Dead 2 on PC, 
uh, picked that up during the Steam Summer Sale. And while I was loving it still, I wasn't looking for something that meaty to sink my teeth in. And I just randomly was like, you know what? I haven't played Portal 2 in a long time. Booted that up and instantly was like, okay, yep, this is the right itch that I wanted to have scratched. So, um, you know, it's it's it really makes you miss Valve first person or uh, Valve first party, you know, single player narrative games that they're known for Half Life, you know, immersive sims for the most part, and Portal being such a hodgepodge melting pot of so many different styles of games. Um, you know, it just really makes you miss something like that. But at the same time, you know, we just got Half Life Alex not that long ago. We <laughs> most of the video game community, if they if you ask them, hey, is Valve going to make a new Half Life game? A lot of people said they're never going to make Half Life Three. They may make a Half Life game, but it's not going to happen anytime soon. It's not going to have Half Life name. So no, basically nobody's going to make a half like Valve isn't going to make Half Life game ever again. Lo and behold, we did get one, and it looks very bright for the Half-Life future now of that franchise. So I'd love to see another Portal. I know so many people would love to see another Portal. It's still one of the best-selling games on Steam, um, you know, and one of the best-reviewed games on Steam. So it, fingers crossed that one day we could see that, but I don't know. It, it, it just makes me miss the—and I'd love to play Half-Life Alex. I'm just not going to pay— you know, $400 right now or $500 to just get in the door to be able to play it, not even the way it's intended. Um, right. You know, it, it, it just stinks. Because I do like Half-Life. I do like Valve. I love their writing. I love their world building. I love the immersion that they build into their worlds and the environmental storytelling that they have. It just, it stinks, you know, that there's, it's giving people what they want, but not in the way they want it, I guess. But I don't know. I would love to get back into Portal 2 or a new Portal one day. That would make me stellar. Even if it is in VR, I think that'd be a cool VR experience. I would definitely get sick, though. <laughs> um, but outside of that, man, just like I said, I picked up Red Dead 2, kind of jumped into that for a little bit, and eventually we'll get back to it, but it's more of a... It just it just felt too dense right then that I was just like, man, I just don't know if I'm ready to invest that time commitment into it, another 50 hours into it, that is by no means a waste, but you know, something that I'm just... I don't know if I'm ready to commit to that, but with that being said, Mike, let's get into button mash for the week. Let's run through some quick hit news stories before we dive into our main topics for the week. We're starting out with finally, everyone's been saying it. Jeffy Grub Grub, Jeff Grub from GamesBeat last year, VentureBeat, GamesBeat, there being their subsite of, um, you know, gaming and whatnot. Their main reporter over there has been teasing it for a while, saying that he's, you know, his sources say July 23rd is going to be the Xbox Game Showcase, and lo and behold, Xbox did announce that this week. So, the Xbox Game Showcase, it has been officially announced for July 23rd at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, if you're like us. And it'll also have a pre-show starting an hour beforehand as part of Jeff Keighley's Summer Games Fest. Moving on, Halo 3. Mike, I know you're happy about this. Officially coming to PC, the official launch with MCC on PC, coming July 14th. I know you're hyped about that, right? Yes, sir. The only thing that kind of sucks is uh, I will be out of town when it releases. <laughs> Just my luck. So well, I won't get to play it on a release day, but I will be playing a steady diet of it when I get home. Yeah, and, and I'm definitely hyped to get back into it. I'm, at the base minimum, I'm just hyped to get back in and play the campaign at, you know, max settings, high frames. Like, I'm ready to get back in and have that experience, um, and especially with some of the visual upgrades that they did with Halo 3. You know, I'm, I'm ready to jump back in and 
play what I think is a masterpiece in terms of FPSs. So, moving on, Ninja held his first stream on YouTube this week. It's his first stream, really, since the Mixture Closure announcement popped up and he became, quote-unquote, a free agent with no exclusive deal. Took some time, th thought about it. Started a stream on YouTube this week, which peaked at 167 concurrent viewers and never dropped below 100K. But Rod Breslow, slasher on Twitter, who has been a staple in the esports community with his reporting and journalism, does cite that he has yet to sign any kind of exclusivity deal with YouTube or any other streaming platform, though talks are ongoing. So who knows? He may, in the way that it seems like it's going to be with streaming, now that we've seen Mixer get burnt very badly by spending tons of money and then, you know, just crapping out for the most part and just decide, you know, Microsoft deciding that's not a great venture to go down. Um, you know, I definitely think in a post-COVID world now, we're going to end up seeing less and less big money exclusivity deals and give more. Ninja's the power player in this situation now. He may be able to dual stream now if he wants, which right. I've never thought was a necessarily a bad thing to begin with. But anyways, next up, the Dark Pictures Anthology, Little Hope, the newest entry in the Dark An Pictures Anthology from uh, the creators of Until Dawn big fans of that for the show um is coming out on october 30th on ps4 xbox one and pc and if you do pre-order you get the curator's cut as a bonus which gives you a little more extra pizzazz in there some new uh new scenes and things like that so test drive unlimited solar crown was announced this week it's the next entry in the test drive franchise with literally a 25 second teaser with no gameplay no other information besides hey it's coming sometime eventually i mean i'm not a big test drive fan i play i remember playing test drive unlimited and thinking okay this is okay but i'm also not a racing guy so hey more power to you unless it's burnout give us another burnout i'm ready for another <laughs> burnout by all means something a little more arcadey huh? yes fuck yes <laughs> mafia definitive edition the full-on remake from the original of the original mafia title i should say has been delayed to september 25th and we'll get a better look at a gameplay kind of blow out on july 22nd for that as well in the same vein kingdoms of amalur re-reckoning the remake of the action rpg title from kurt schilling's failed 38 studios yeah remember that kurt schilling made or funded the development of a video game try to get into the video game space r.i.p kurt um is also seeing a slight delay uh it's getting bumped to september 8th but the bigger part of the announcement which i thought was kind of wild was it's getting a dlc expansion in 2021 called fate's war which is kind of crazy to think about that, you know, a remake of a game or a remaster, I should say. Um, actually, I don't know if it... I, I can't remember. I haven't been paying too much attention to it, to be honest, if it's a full-on remake or just a remaster. I'm seeing a lot of remake attached to it, so I'm guessing it's a full-on remake new from the ground up for the most part. So that's pretty crazy that it's getting a full-on actual expansion like that. But also, too, if you tune into this Sunday's Ubisoft Forward event, which we'll be talking about later in the show, you will get a free copy of Watch Dogs 2 on PC, which I highly recommend. It's really, especially, I mean, my God, it's free. Any free game for the most part's, you know, gonna get a bump as it is anyways, but Watch Dogs 2, excellent open world game, uh, and especially if you're playing on Xbox One X or PC at high frame rates and whatnot, and especially on Xbox One X with HDR and whatnot, absolutely recommend it. But PC version gonna be free through Ubisoft's Uplay app. Definitely go over there and grab that. 
Video Game Deluxe, the development studio behind L.A. Noir's The VR Case Files, is working on a AAA open world title for in VR for Rockstar, confirmed through new job listings, so I fully expect that to be Grand Theft Auto in VR. Shocker. Um, and then last but not least, Hyperscape. A new FPS Battle Royale from Ubisoft was officially announced and shown via popular streamers and con content creators. It incorporates audiences' interaction with when it's streamed by letting viewers choose various game modifiers, to, like, hey, showing where everyone on the map is for three seconds or whatever, eh, or decrease uh, gravity or whatever, you know? So things like that. Um, but yet again, another VR title coming into the mix here. So. Mike, that about does it for Button Mash rounding up. Anything stick out to you this week before we jump into the main news for the week? Obviously, thrilled about Halo 3 coming to PC. Oh, yeah. Um, Ninja's first stream on YouTube is, I guess, it was a pretty big deal because... I mean, that's huge just... numbers for just a solo stream, not necessarily. Like, we saw that with, you know, Valorant, whenever Valorant smashed Twitch concurrent viewers and whatnot. But that was for a game and a collective bunch where this is one streamer we're talking about. Yeah, it kind of makes you think about, you know, if he was dipping his toe in the water to see if it's something that is feasible. I mean, you definitely have to think he would be really thrilled with the results. So mm. it'll be um, interesting to see, you know, what happens from there, where he goes. I would be shocked to see him go with YouTube personally, but with the way Twitch treated him when he left, mm -hmm. um, wouldn't it wouldn't be a completely crazy thing. I think another, the other biggest thing with me um, is going to be uh, the Xbox Showcase mm -hmm. being announced for, for officially being July 23rd. Mm -hmm. I think that the reason being is, you know, we're supposed to see Halo Infinite there. So hopefully we'll see, uh, we'll see some good stuff from that. And uh, I mean, I mean, everything's pretty, pretty big, but those would be my top three if I had to pick. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously the big one out of all of that is, hey as we pretty much knew beforehand, but the Xbox Game Studio show Showcase is coming July 23rd. Um, now that we have an official date, everything like that, um, it's definitely, that's the biggest thing, the biggest, I guess, chunk of information we're going to get in, or has the most, you know, importance placed on it, I guess, if you want to say during all of this. But uh, yeah, actually knowing that we're going to get a date, and, you know, next week I think is going to be a very natural lead in for our show that we're going to do all of our predictions and whatnot of hey what do we think we're going to see from the showcase and you know what can we expect from first party xbox studios announcements on there and games that we think might be in development games that we're hoping to see that already are yada yada all that stuff uh halo 3 obviously coming to mcc on pc is massive um being one of the most beloved first-person shooter games of all time and beloved Xbox titles of all time. Now coming to PC, people have been asking that for a decade now, for the most part. So uh, it's definitely nice to actually see that on there. I'm sure it's going to pop off on Steam, for sure. Uh, I'm sure we'll see some big Steam numbers out of that. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. I'm excited, and low-key excitement for the Dark Pictures Anthology Little Hope, too. I didn't like Man of Medan that much whenever I played it. Uh, I think I played it over christmas break because my fiance got it for me and because we were big fans of until dawn and supermassive does excellent excellent work um so we played that it was very sure it's meant to be replayed quick because these games are designed to be smaller experiences that you can play in arguably one sitting um for the most part so i'm excited about this one though 
uh, because it seems to delve back more into the paranormal aspects and things like that, more of the roots of Until Dawn, um, at least from what I've seen with almost more witchcraft and hauntings and possession and things like that. I That feels more in line of what we've seen in the past from Supermassive with their almost... Uh, like adventure style games like that we've seen almost telltale esque. So that about does it for me though with that with bus- and with button match for the week. Let's head into the news for this week, Mike. First up on the docket here, next gen game upgrades should be free, Xbox tells developers. This comes from Andy Robinson over on Video Game Chronicle. As always, link in the description for all these articles. Make sure you go over there, give Andy a click, check out the story, because this one's kind of long, too. I had to, uh, There's a lot of really good information in it that I didn't want to keep out, so definitely go over there, give Andy a click. Xbox has told developers that they cannot charge players to upgrade their current-gen games to Xbox Series X versions as DLC as an alternative to its free smart delivery scheme. That's according to publishing sources with knowledge of Microsoft's next-gen policies who've told VGC that companies working on cross-gen games have been encouraged to offer both current and next-gen versions at no additional cost, either via smart delivery or their own schemes such as EA's dual entitlement. However, developers and publishers who choose not to support smart delivery can still offer owners of current-gen games a discount on purchasing a second next-gen version of the game on the Microsoft Store. Theoretically, third-party publishers could also charge for physical game upgrades via their own schemes, such as via retailer promotions. So far, all games publicly announced as offerings as offering a next-gen upgrade include FIFA 21, Cyberpunk 2077, Destiny 2, and Assassin's Creed Valhalla are doing so free of charge. However, it's understood Microsoft wants publishers and developers uh, want to give publishers and developers a multitude of options for how to sell their games across Xbox One and Xbox Series X, even if they don't adopt its recommended policies. In a statement sent to VGC, a Microsoft spokesperson said that developers, quote, developers and publishers ultimately decide how they deliver their games, and we work with them to provide the best possible experience based on their needs. Xbox Smart Delivery Initiative allows customers to purchase a supported cross-gen game once on either Xbox One or Xbox Series X and unlock the other version at no additional cost. This enables players to, for example, purchase Halo Infinite for Xbox One this holiday. Then, if they decide to purchase an Xbox Series X console at a later date, the fully optimized version of Infinite will unlock at no additional cost. Cross-gen games that do not support Smart Delivery will be treated separately with the Xbox ecosystem, VGC was told with only certain Xbox Live elements such as multiplayer unifying the generational versions. For example, both NBA 2K1 and FIFA 21, which operate outside of the smart delivery ecosystem, do not share certain save data across generations. In comparison, smart delivery games will share a single SKU, all Xbox Live elements including saves, achievements, and more, and launch the correct version for each console regardless of which generation's game disc is inserted. A Microsoft spokesperson told VGC, Quote, at Xbox, a player is at the center of everything we do, which is why we're committed to supporting exclusive Xbox Game Studios titles, including Halo Infinite with Smart Delivery, providing the best available version for which console you choose to play on. It will be up to the individual developers to determine whether they implement Smart Delivery and they can choose or choose to use it for titles that will release on Xbox One first and come to Xbox Series X later. So, we kind of talked about you know, talked a few weeks ago about if we thought Microsoft was in a position to strong arm, 
quote-unquote strong arm third-party developers into supporting the smart delivery initiative over the traditional two-skew model that we see with cross-generation titles and now the statements that we're seeing from microsoft seem to kind of back up that thought process a little bit so with console you know with the consoles continuously getting closer and closer to being you know the pc gaming model of scalability accessibility across a wide array of hardware do you think like smart delivery has the power to be that first big stake to wedge between the traditional market approach to cross-generational titles and do you think the more that we hear about smart delivery that we can potentially see it being one of the big features that could provide Microsoft success this generation by knowing, hey, you know, the game you pick up on the shelf for Xbox One will work day and date with your new Xbox Series X and you won't need to buy another copy. Yeah, I think for me, it's kind of, it's kind of clear that Xbox is trying to, or Microsoft rather, is trying to kind of hedge their bets with this system. Uh And I think the switch with going to release exclusive content on PC as well as Xbox kind of hurts their cause when it comes to selling new consoles. So I think at the risk of losing more sales to users not being able to get a newer game now and then later on a new console, I just think it kind of makes sense that Microsoft would kind of pressure companies into allowing you know whether it be smart switch or at least giving a discount to users that want to get to the game on the new console um it's a great i think the consumers should really you know have their eyes open and see what microsoft's trying to do but also at the same same token you need to also be you know just kind of wise and and not only realize like microsoft is kind of pushing these developers to do a certain thing, mm-hmm. but their games are only going to be $60. And on the new consoles for PS5, we're already seeing games get more expensive. So, I mean, it, it's a it's kind of a win-lose situation for, you know, consumers, I think, because I think what could happen here is games that are being released in the future that would be dual releases, mm-hmm. you could see spike up to $70, $80, $90 because you're going to get two mm-hmm. games, basically. So... I think, like, as good as it could be for consumers, potentially, I think consumers also just need to be weary of the fact that this probably means that the cost of games in general are going to be going up. Um, And whether it's justified or not, we've talked about it. We believe that it's probably a good thing that the cost of games go up. Mm -hmm. It's probably the right thing. I mean, it's been a long time since games have gone up in price. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, there's going to be some consumers out there who are going to be upset with the price increase. So... It's just kind of um, interesting to see. I mean, we'll, we'll continue to kind of track this and see what plays out from here. But I definitely think that Microsoft is doing a good thing. But I think it's, I think it's good for both parties in a way. Um, mainly being, it'll give developers kind of a reason to say, "Hey, we're going to charge you eighty dollars for this game." And when consumers are like, "Well, why am I paying forty more dollars?" and it's like, "Well, you could play it on your Xbox One and your." Uh, Xbox Series X and your PC, like you can play it on three different systems. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that's pretty cool. And I would, you know, have to agree with the developers on that and say that, you know, an $80 game is probably worthwhile if you can play it on all three consoles or all three platforms. So curious to hear what you have to say about it, though. Uh, I'm sure it might be similar to what I think, but mm-hmm. I'm just curious to see what your your holistic opinion on, is on it. Yeah, and you kind of hit the nail on the head with the price increase because that was going to be kind of my point on it that, okay, well, if you're, say, you're EA and say you were... Uh, you know, Activision, and you were you have 
yearly releases, Madden, FIFA, Call of Duty, that are, you know, are not only going to make you money right off the bat with sales, but also, you know, digital items that they're buying, microtransactions, things like that. They're, they're your money pools. And, but you also, in a, you know, cross-generational time period that we're going to see here, that's probably going to span at least two to three years that the Xbox One will probably be supported that we're going to see some kind of dual release on to a degree. And even, say, with the PlayStation 4 and 5, because of how many fucking consoles are out in the wind, you know, they don't want to necessarily... Well, if we have... Let's look at PlayStation, for example. If they have 100-plus PlayStation 4s out in homes right now, and they're just not going to release it on, you know, PlayStation 4, well, that doesn't make any sense. But when you look at Microsoft now, and that brings in that, okay, well like we talked about last week with NBA 2K1, the next-gen versions of it on Xbox One and PS... or Xbox Series X and PS5. I gotta get used to saying that now. Um, we're seeing that that's the first domino to kind of fall with we're bumping this to $70 now. And even... I And I forgot to clarify on this last week. Uh, it was brought to my attention that the Mamba edition, the Kobe Bryant-like collector's top-of-the-line edition that you get, if you buy that, you do get the next-gen version with that as well, which, okay, whatever, like, I get it. And we're talking on, you know, Xbox One and PS4 edition that you're getting. But when you factor in that and you look at, okay, full for Xbox, if you're EA or you're Activision, okay, where am I making the money up that's lost on that? And I agree that, personally, you know, how much money can EA and Activision and people like that make? Because you know that whenever they do a price increase like this because to me this talks this talks more price increase that you know i and i think smart delivery hands down hands down is going to be a huge factor for gamers this next couple years whenever they're saying like when the xbox one is still supported and all first party titles that come out for the xbox series x are playable on the xbox one because it's still going to be supported for two years per what xbox is saying around there you know Stuff like this is going to be important for, you know, somebody, you know, hey, one of our friends who only buys a couple games a year, who's looking to, okay, they have an Xbox One, and but they want to play the new Halo. Oh, man, I want to get into the new, okay, well, don't worry, you could buy it now. Well, what if I, you know, get the Xbox Series X again, you know, or down the line, can I still play it? Yeah, absolutely, you just toss it in there, you don't have to go and buy it again. So, it's a great thing, I think it's going to be a smart thing, and I think it's going to help combat the $70 markup. And I think it's also going to help, to a degree, third-party publishers, now that we're seeing that domino start to fall of, oh, okay, the first one went now that we can bump up. We could see, you know, NBA 2K is going to sell. It's going to be a fucking barn burner seller. Um, it always is. So people are going to buy it no matter what, which, you know, the old adage, vote with your wallet type of thing. But if you don't like it, but to me, that says more, okay... When we see the Maddens and stuff start roll out at $70, you can go and pick it up, but know that you won't have to buy it again. Oh, okay, well, at least if I'm going with an Xbox, I know I don't have to buy it again. So it kind of helps combat that a little bit. And even looking at uh, Ryan McCaffrey uh, from IGN on Unlocked this past week, their Xbox podcast. Um, shout out to them. They do a fucking fantastic job on that show. It's stellar show, but... He brought up the point, he was working on an op-ed about the price increase for ITN, and the one thing he brought up was, okay, well, let's look at inflation, naturally. And 
he said sixty dollars from in two thousand six when or two thousand five or six, I can't remember which one it was, right around the launch of the Xbox three sixty, anyways, whenever we saw the last price increase to now, sixty dollars then is worth seventy four ish around there now. So realistically we are seeing probably a comparable price, you know, fluctuate for the most part. But the only thing I get hesitant about with all of that and with all of this and you know, having developed at least on the money side of it is, hey, um, you know, what is that going to do with developers? I do you think, you know, Joe Schmo who is programming and, you know, John Doe who is working in, you know, animations and the, you know, Kenny McCormick is doing, you know, probably getting killed because he dies in every episode, but is doing <laughs> fucking, you know, he's the lead environmental artist. They're probably not seeing that money. They're probably also still going to see crunch because budgets are going to go up and, you know, the budgets of games are going to be expanded. And that means, okay, more flexibility that, you know, we can get more into this. We can hire more people, but crunch is never going to go away with that necessarily, at least in the mindset of AAA gaming in the U.S. But I'm kind of getting off topic a little bit, but I, I definitely still think smart delivery, you know, is going to be that potential wedge, though, that buys into, okay, it opens up, it, one, it brings that PC market away, like somebody, you know, like, uh, hey, me, who I do a lot of PC gaming now, but I still love console gaming and I still always love console gaming but say I you know just bought a $1,500 PC okay I, that's my primary thing but I do want to play Hellblade when it comes out or X, Y, and Z that is a console game you know granted Microsoft also does um, you know PC with all their releases for the most part but say there's a game that I come out that I want to play on console well I can if I know that okay I'm used to scalability I can get in with an Xbox One right now and still get that same experience and if i ever want to upgrade like my graphics card or whatever you know i can get this now i can do 1080 high frames right now if i ever want to go 4k and get that experience at high frames cool i can upgrade my graphics card it's there but it's not going to limit me so i think there is a big chance that this could potentially be that first at least hammer of the stake that may split people may just really open up the door to okay this is this is what the new norm could be, and a lot, I think a lot of people are going to be okay with it because they see how, yeah, the maybe the door to get into PC gaming because of the high fidelity you can get out of it is a little high. But once you're in, traditionally PC games are a lot cheaper; they go on sale much quicker. It's all digital; you can save a lot of money on that end, and developers or you know developers and publishers both can make more money selling it at you know less of a you know you take packaging and everything like that actually manufacturing costs out of it you're saving a lot of money so you take home more money so i think i think it's going to be that first one but you know we'll see it's it, i'm really that's probably my biggest thing that i really want to see out of next gen of how that transpires in the first half of it but mike let's move on to the next one here another day another talk about wb interactive and xbox only this time now supposedly Xbox reportedly is interested in acquiring WB Interactive. This comes from Matt Kim over on IGN, as always, link in the description. Microsoft is reportedly interested in acquiring WB 
or Warner Brothers Interactive following the news that parent company AT&T is looking into possibly selling the video game development arm of Warner Brothers. However, a sale is not currently imminent. The information is reporting that alongside companies like Activision, EA, and Take-Two, Microsoft is interested in acquiring WB Interactive and its several game development studios. Whoever acquires WB Interactive will likely purchase studios like Avalanche Software, Monolith Productions, NetherRealm Studios, Rocksteady Studios, TT Games, and various WB game studios across the globe. It's important to note that the acquisition of WB Interactive will not mean any of the inter interested companies like Microsoft or Activision will own characters like Batman or Harry Potter. Instead, potential buyers will have to negotiate licensing, licensing deals so studios like Rocksteady can still create new games based on the DC Comics or any other Warner Brothers characters. However, certain properties like Mortal Kombat will be included in the sale of NetherRealm Studios. Acquiring WB Interactive will massively increase the number of Xbox Game Studios developers. Microsoft already purchased high-end profile developers including Ninja Theory, Obsidian, Double Fine, and more. A WB Interactive purchase will add studios like NetherRealm and potentially the license to develop DC and Harry Potter games similar to how Insomniac has a license to develop Spider-Man games for PlayStation. News that AT&T is looking into selling WB Interactive broke last month. The parent company is looking to pay down its $154 billion debt, and a sale of WB Interactive is potentially valued at $4 billion. AT&T purchased Time Warner for $109 billion in 2018, which resulted in a large debt. Investors are calling on the telecommunications company to sell non-core assets such as DirecTV and WB Interactive. Meanwhile, WB Montreal is currently working on a new Batman project, while Rocksteady is rumored to be developing a new DC game. Avalanche Studios has also been linked to the unannounced Harry Potter RPG. So, don't mind me. Just here to say, you know, who called it back when we asked about who we'd love to see Microsoft acquire a few episodes back. I'm just saying. But, in all seriousness, we've been talking about the potential WB game sale for... A number of episodes now, considering it's been one of the biggest, tran you know, it'd be one of the biggest transactions in gaming in quite some time, and rightfully so. But clearly this doesn't mean a deal is imminent, or even going to actually formulate into something and actually come about. But outside of just financial backing, like, what would make Microsoft a good potential buyer and fit for this acquisition compared to other publishers in the hunt, like Take-Two, Activision and EA. Do you think, you know, having basically the negotiating rights to IP like Batman and Harry Potter hold that much stock at the end of the day without anything concrete to take home with them, especially when you think, you know, one of Microsoft's direct competitors now has one of the most commercially and critically successful superhero titles of all time as an exclusive in Marvel Spider-Man? Yeah, I think, you know, you basically are kind of teeing it up for me to hit this one out of the park you're kind of just giving me a soft soft toss <laughs> basically if microsoft really wants to be taken serious in the console race if you will if that's what this is if if these uh companies are kind of racing to see who's going to do the best in sales um it's just without a doubt a big deal for microsoft to try to acquire warner brothers because let's say they get Batman and Harry Potter through negotiations and now they have Mortal Kombat. I don't know that a, a studio like NetherRealm would really buy being exclusive on Xbox, but if that's part of the if, that, if that's part of the deal and the the money is there, I don't think you could really argue it. Um 
for me, for Microsoft to lock down Batman and Harry Potter as potential Xbox exclusives just immediately makes them that much more legitimate, if not almost equal to PlayStation as far as like potential, you know, big IPs going forward. Um, mm-hmm. I think the universe of Batman and Harry Potter has fans that are that stretch far and wide. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, like with they're that... ingrained into pop pop culture. It's not exactly. just video game; it is just pop culture, and that's that's what we saw with Spider Man as well with mm-hmm. PlayStation. And the biggest thing that I, you know, I kind of notice or think about when it comes to this, this is, you know, the following that those two games have or those two, you know, universes have is is so massive. Uh-huh. But just like with Spider-Man, I think it's extremely important for the games to be just quality games. Like you can't get away with the games just being garbage mm-hmm. and expecting like expecting good things to happen for you. Right. Right. No, so Definitely. I think I think it's like I think it's important that the games be good because Spider-Man the game was excellent, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just something that is kind of it would kind of put them in a situation where they would be in a very good position going forward to release some you know extremely popular and important games. No, definitely, and you know it's you look at the deal and you're like, man, and we even talked about this. You know, a couple weeks ago when it was rumored that, you know, hey, WB Interactive is going to be, or at and is looking to sell off of that asset of WB Interactive. And, you know, it, we looked at it and we said, man, you know, $4 billion, that's a lot. And, you know, look what they get with that. You know, who, who, what do you really get out of it? And yada, yada. But then you think of, okay, well, you know, $4 billion is a lot. But Microsoft also spent $2 billion to acquire just one studio and one IP in Minecraft not too long ago. And granted, Minecraft, fucking huge, and was huge at the time, still is huge at the time. And you see that paying dividends right now with them not making it exclusive. Sure, you know, it's on Xbox Game Pass. They treat it like a first-party studio, but it still is on every single platform. And probably because of, hey at least originally, hey, we're going to keep this multi-platform, we'll develop it in-house, but we'll make it multi-platform because they see of how just that game would spread like wildfire, and how many sales it made, and whatnot, and I'm sure it was to help pay off that $2 billion you know, sale that they just paid off. Now granted, Microsoft has, like, a stupid asinine amount of money, so who the hell knows, but in terms of its gaming division, you know, that may be a little different. So, But then you look at, okay, well, you look at WB Interactive. You're getting, compared to that, for four, you know, two to four billion, where at four billion, you're getting, like, a plethora of talented studio, development studios. You know, Monolith, who came up with the Nemesis system that was in the Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War games, uh, that is, like, beloved in the development community, and really by gamers, too, that... You know, it's solely unique in terms of how you interact with en- enemies and how your decisions fluctuate and change the perception of the game and whatnot. You know, so it's praise that you think of that. You know, Microsoft acquires that. Just, you know, they acquire Monolith within this. They have access, you know, firsthand to be able to take systems like that from their engine and potentially, you know, share it with the rest of the studios under their wing. But, you know, when you think about that, you think, okay, $4 billion, that's still a lot. 
I would be hard pressed to, you know, I don't, who knows, you know, you never know. And hell, this may never formulate to begin with. This may never come to fruition to begin with. It may just be, okay, Microsoft was in conversation, you know, they, Phil Spencer was talking to them and guess what? It didn't work out. Cool. We move on. And I'm using Phil just because he's the face of Xbox right now, but you know, he's that dude. He's that dude. You know, I'm sure Phil Spencer is in every single board meeting doing everything. He goes over every little thing that happens in the Xbox. You get what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Uh, but you look at that and you think, okay, at $4 billion and you look at how well Mortal Kombat 11 sold being, I think it was like the, it was definitely in the top 10, but I think it, I think it was maybe like the fourth or fifth best selling game last year alone. And that's in a year with Borderlands 3 and behind, and not granted, behind, you know, Call of Duty, uh, Madden, things like that. But I'm pretty sure it was top five where you have a game like that. It's at that Minecraft level of, it's just such a known commodity within the gaming community that most people, when they talk fighting games, when you say fighting games, it's either Super Smash Brothers or Mortal Kombat. It's almost at that level of, hey, hand me a Kleenex when you're talking about a tissue. Like, you just know that brand and that IP is associated with, you know, a fighting game or whatever. It's one of the greatest IPs in video game history and pop culture and pop culture history in general that I... I would have to say, like, I would see, say Microsoft buys them. That goes multi-platform still. That it's released on everything still. It's treated Yeah, like, Mortal Kombat would have to be, right? Because yeah. it always just has been. It wouldn't make sense for them to try to, yeah. um, you know, make that an exclusive. But with that being said, like, I, I think Batman's the perfect candidate to c- try to take on uh, Spidey. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. And I can still see a, you know, say, say they buy, the, say they buy Warner Brothers interactive or wb games whatever you want to call them say they buy them and off to the races both consoles release say within the first you know right at launch i'm sure which i'm sure playstation is going to sell more consoles right at launch at least in my head knowing how much how many ps4s were sold this console generation compared to xbox compared to that brand awareness that playstation just has right now in gamers minds that it's you know so many third parties have exclusive deals with them they have the best exclusives right now quote unquote in terms of best-selling critically acclaimed yada yada especially single player you know so say that comes to fruition within the first year and say the sale goes through whatever they announce mortal kombat i could see them saying mortal kombat or batman for sure these are going to be you can only play these on xbox or pc you know xbox and pc if they're both first party studio games but let's talk consoles you can only play on xbox because they want to push sales of the xbox series x like it's going to be that yin and yang of well we can make a shit ton of money if we just put it out there and everybody still gets to buy it and you know that doesn't necessarily hurt our bottom line. They may get more out of playing on an Xbox system because of X, Y, and Z promotions. You know, maybe the way the game's designed with Xbox in mind, first and foremost. You know, so who the hell knows? But to me, that's still also, hey, if we want to sell, if you really want to sell Xbox Series X and, and the S potentially too, the only way to potentially play it is via playing it on, you know, playing batman or mortal kombat is playing on these systems so you gotta buy into our ecosystem it now it kind of goes against like 
what they're kind of doing now being this platform of where, you know, hey, Microsoft wants, they don't care how you play their games, they just want you playing their games. So, you know, it kind of goes against that, but who the hell knows? I mean, we've seen, you know, Microsoft get arrogant before, same with Sony get arrogant before after having major successes that they lock shit down and it, you know, it changes. You change, you adapt, and sometimes it blows up in your face, sometimes it doesn't. So, but with IPs that big, not just, you know, Mortal Kombat being one of gaming's, you know, most storied franchises and IP like uh, Batman and Harry Potter and things like that, that are just like pop culture phenomenons. To me, this is like, I, I, I see Microsoft just being that best fit scenario where Microsoft, I think one has the capital to go out and be able to do this. They have, they have the cash, they have the assets that they would be able to make that deal happen. Uh, without necessarily a lot of worry, I guess, off the top. And they've already came out and said, like, Phil Spencer was quoted saying, like, hey, we're still interested in buying more studios. We won't stop doing that till we feel that it isn't applicable right now, where that's the mindset you probably should have. Like, for them especially, too, they have the capital, they're able to do that. Games sell systems, and games are where you're going to make your most money off. You know, you're going to lose money on your system sales, Games software is where you make up on that. And the more strong first-party exclusive titles, quote-unquote exclusive titles that you have, the more money you're going to make long-term with that. And that's what we've seen with PlayStation. So I think out of all of them, I I think Microsoft has, this is the easiest, Microsoft is the easiest win out of all these, or at least has the ability to make this the easiest win. If they pull the trigger. If they pull the trigger, absolutely. But, if they but pull I the think trigger. The- I think the biggest thing is weighing it out from a business standpoint, like a business decision. Like you have to look at the investment and how long it could take to get returned. Because if Rocksteady doesn't have a Batman title in the works, which we both are everyone of the show and both of us are, have been pretty vocal on the fact that that's kind of like the next, you know, worst kept secret that there, there is going to be a new Batman game coming, mm-hmm. um, which I hope is true because I, I really do enjoy the Batman games. I think like Microsoft really needs to take a look at this because $4 billion. I know Microsoft has like buku bucks, but like, I mean, let's be honest here. Like 4 billion is still a lot to write off. I think like something we haven't really talked about. And I kind of want to just throw this out there, not to like give you the heebie jeebies, but what if someone like, Tencent wound up trying to buy it or buying it. That Talk about suck. fucking nightmare fuel. Yeah, that would that would suck. That I mean that would I mean that's that's a company that has once again the capital to make that happen, but just looking at it right now, Microsoft has 1.69 trillion dollars in capital right now. Well sure. That, that it's like and that's just no granted. That's just Microsoft in general, you know. And we're talking Xbox is obviously not as impactful, I'm sure, large scale as Windows and other properties within Microsoft that are in so many more homes than an Xbox. But at the same time, you know, Microsoft also sees the writing on the wall with how impactful gaming is right now as a medium that and how much people are investing in gaming right now that they'd be dumb not to get into that. But yeah, just imagine like a ten cent or somebody like that picking that up and doing that. I 
I I would be hard pressed because I don't know how. See, I was gonna say I don't know how that market would re how that market necessarily reacts to American. Well, I shouldn't say American, but English based IP like Batman, like Harry Potter, because you know Harry J.K. Rowling wrote those. She's British, so you know at least predominantly English related IP and characters and things like that i don't know how that market necessarily would react to that if that's worth it if they'd see that but at the same time they've also been investing heavy in american movies and american cinema and american pop culture in general for a while and right they invested they have a or no NetEase has the investment in bungie um i was thinking tencent for some reason but they I have still think they it's have like taken a, a riot right right and yeah. i don't think it's a it's yeah because they're canceling the all international sports, which means LCS in Shanghai is going to be canceled. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, just it's it's not even a question of like, would the Chinese market want this? It's just a purely money standpoint. Yeah. Can we make money off of this? So obviously, if, if anyone is aware of, of what money could be made there, I'm sure Microsoft is on it. Mm-hmm. And again, Microsoft is in a unique position. It would be very wise of them to, you know, kind of make this purchase because I think it could really give them a real, you know, challenger to Spider-Man. It could really give them the opportunity to, to really pressure with a, a Harry Potter game. And I think both of those would be very important. But I just kind of wanted to throw that out there as like a devil's advocate, like worst case Ontario. Like I would rather a lot of very, very bad things happen before Tencent would be able to take uh, WB on. But yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there. It's, no, no, it's, no. it's not even being discussed. I don't want anyone out there to think that... <laughs> sense in the running i mean fuck i hope not right. but um we haven't heard of that yet but i just thought maybe we could use some nightmare fuel maybe you'll wake up in a in a sweat tonight and be like jesus christ i had a dream tencent bought wb and we're fucked yeah and then i'll just see you like you i'll just see you have a note on the door just we know <laughs> <laughs> with a fucking dark brotherhood style no, but definitely, that's that's an interesting thought. I, to be honest, never thought about that, and nor do I really want to. So let's move on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> let's move on to our last news article for the week here, Mike. Assassin's Creed Valhalla gameplay leaks ahead of Ubisoft's forward event. This comes from Alessandro Barbosa over on GameSpot, as always. Link in the description. Ahead of Ubisoft's forward event, this weekend, nearly 30 minutes of Assassin's Creed Valhalla gameplay from an early build has found its way online. The footage, which is being bounced between hosts as Ubisoft attempts to scrub it from the internet, gives us a first real look at the female version of Eivor, after only the male version was featured in the game's recent two trailers. The footage covers a lot of ground, showing off some of the game's open world, naval gameplay, lots of melee combat, and an assault on the real-life Berg Castle in East Anglia. The footage is grainy, and there are aspects that look like they will be polished before the game is officially shown off, but as a small slice of what to expect for Valhalla, it's a comprehensive leak. Valhalla looks to be retaining many of the structural elements from Assassin's Creed Odyssey, including dialogue choices and role-playing aspects that might affect the narrative. Specifically, Eivor is given the choice to kill or spare the occupants of the castle she invades, which may or may not tie into quests later. The footage was split into three parts and hosted on streamable, but Ubisoft has been aggressively or aggressive in trying to take down the footage throughout the day. 
A Reddit thread dedicated to the leak is keeping track of the active links, though, if you still are hoping to see it. Assassin's Creed Valhalla will be featured at Ubisoft Forward, which takes place on July 12th at 12pm, 3pm Eastern. Other games expected at the show are the recently revealed Battle Royale Hyperspace or Hyperscape, as well as Watch Dogs Legion. So, as somebody, me personally, who both loves North mythology, Viking history, and especially the new iterations of the Assassin's Creed titles, Valhalla is definitely a standout on my list of games that I'm really looking forward to playing in the second half of 2020. And I know personally, I pleaded my case to you about giving it, you know, at least Odyssey or Origins a try, especially now you've upgraded your PC. That's the, if you ask me the place to play it at because of right. the frame mm-hmm. rates, but really, you know, what's your overall take from the footage that we've seen? You know, is it something you the setting that this setting around compared to Egypt and Greece that really opens you up to giving Assassin's Creed a try? And also too, I want to, you know, I wanted to round this up with really, what are, I want to get some of your predictions for what we, you know, what you expect to, see hope to see think we'll see at ubisoft's forward event this week their e3 briefing for the most part with no e3 going on yeah i think this game more so than an egyptian or uh, greek you know based game definitely is interesting to me because i think everyone thinks that you know vikings and norse history are, are really interesting in general but more so it's to me it's just the games have been trending in the right direction for a few iterations now. And I think it's like, it kind of went through a dark spell there and it's finally starting to see the light again. Um, What we saw through video thus far, it has me very intrigued. And I think I will probably give Odyssey or origins a a shot. Mm -hmm. Um, I just like, I was kind of talking to Collins uh, about this and, and, you know, he sent me a link to a, uh, a link about gladiator and how it was written in such a way that in the contract that there could never be a sequel made for gladiator. Uh-huh. And to me, um, you know, I, we kind of went back and forth and then he talked about like, even a good game because rise son of Rome comes to mind of a game that mm-hmm. I enjoyed. And I, I, I beat it through once and I was playing it through the hardest difficulty. And then I forget what happened. I just kind of put it, put it down. And I really enjoyed that game and it kind of gave you a good view on Roman history. And I think a game like that, like even a game, like with a Coliseum type type background would be really interesting to play, Uh but all things considered the, the Viking culture is one that pretty much all of the Western world is at least somewhat interested in because you hear of their brutality on the battlefields. You hear of, you read British history and how, the Vikings are described by the British and it's just really interesting to see kind of what they did to everybody. I mean, fuck, uh, the beach of Normandy is named after them. I mean, it's, they had a huge impact on European history. And I think, you know, the games have been trending in the right direction where this could be a very good culmination of an extremely interesting historical standpoint combined with very good gameplay. And I think that's very important. Um, so I'm interested to see what happens with Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, I think that the video looks interesting. I'm, I'm really pumped, and I'm kind of in the position where now I need to wait for Odyssey or Origins to go on sale because I know they were free, and I know they were on sale, and I passed them up. But definitely need to give those a shot. Moreover, or just kind of switching gears to what to see at Ubisoft's forward event this week, I'm 
expecting to see information on Rainbow Six Siege uh, mm-hmm. because that's their premier esport. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be shocked if we saw an announcement of another Rainbow Six game. I would be thrilled if it was a more classic uh rainbow six game um i i definitely think rainbow six the uh quarantine game mm-hmm. well i don't know necessarily maybe they might hold that one i wouldn't think yeah but maybe they may hold that one just for a little bit longer but i definitely think that's going to be one of their but then again that's also that's something we've also seen before yeah i mean again i know that siege is their baby in their esport that's mm-hmm. very successful which is cool but God, man, I, I just th- long for a Rainbow Six game in, in current gen or even new gen of how awesome it could be. Because, I mean, you've played Rainbow Six Rogues here with me even mm. as recent as like a year ago. Yeah. And, I mean, the game is so tactical. It's so fun. Mm. For a game made in 1999, it's it's really awesome. And, God damn, it'd be, ex- it'd be amazing to play something newer. So... I would love to see something like that, but we're going to see more on Assassin's Creed. We're going to see more on um, Rainbow Six Siege, but um, a new Far Cry game has just come out, so we probably won't see something of that nature. See, I was going to say the opposite. You think we're going to see something with Far and, Cry? And this is, and just because I've heard, I've heard rumblings about it potentially or probably being that, but now who knows if it's hey, here's a full gameplay reveal or anything like that because realistically far cry 5 came in 2018 followed up by new dawn right a year later as kind of like basically a one or like an 8.5 or 8.5 5.5 type of thing um but at the same time uh juan carlo uh what's his name juan carlo esposito the gus from breaking bad Mm mm-hmm he has been on record saying that he is in a video game, a major video game that's coming up that in a major villain role that he's not allowed to talk about. Mm. And pretty much like multiple people in the know were like, <coughs> far cry, far cry. Um, so, and it seems like the Ubisoft event may be that thing. I don't know for sure. That's all hearsay, obviously, but that may change. Hell, it may be Call of Duty and people have their information wrong. He may be the villain yeah. in the new Call of Duty because, fuck, we have yet to see that. I would be absolutely shocked if that wasn't at the Xbox event, but we'll talk about that next week. But uh, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, it's it's perfectly fine. So I think I'm just looking at list of Ubisoft games that they develop. Mm-hmm. Games that have had quite a big gap since the most recent iteration. Mm-hmm. South Park, The Fractured Butthole, was mm-hmm. created in 2017. So it wouldn't shock me to see a South Park game. For Honor, also made in 2017. Now, I know they're still working diligently on trying to tweak and get that game back into shape, but that's just just food for thought. Um, Brawlhalla, uh, 2017, most recent iteration of the game. Again, I know they're kind of live on making tweaks to that, but I think that'd be interesting. But most importantly, Watch Dogs 2 was on sale during Steam, summer sale. It's still on sale to this day. We know, you know, you said you're going to get it for free on Sunday. I think the writing's on the wall that we're going to see a Watch Dogs 3. Uh, something with Watch Dogs is going to be coming out because it's still on sale. You're going to get it for free. They're trying to build yeah. the hype up for it. I yeah. think they'd be really, um, you know, kind of, they'd put themselves kind of behind the eight ball there if they weren't going to be coming out with something that pertains to Watch Dogs. Yeah, they'll definitely, the new Watch Dogs Legion game will definitely, I think, easily be a tentpole within that conversation for sure that'll be something they show because it'll 
it'll definitely be whenever they first revealed that last E3. And it was supposed to be like an early or like, I think a late 2019 game or something like that. Um, it got bumped because of, I'm sure, probably to get it within the next gen fold or whatever, you know. But um, now, obviously, with everything going on, getting shuffled around again, you know, a re- not a re-reveal, but it'll definitely pop back up here. Um, but in terms of, I guess I'll start with, I'll start with Assassin's Creed uh, Valhalla. I keep wanting to say Odyssey just because I played through that not that long ago, but I I definitely think the Viking theme and the Norse theme will speak to a lot. I think it will speak to a broader audience, whether that's a good thing or not. You know, that's no disrespect to, you know, anybody who loves Egyptian-themed things and, you know, who is has Greek heritage or anything like that, you know, by all means, the, I put 50 plus hours into just the main story of Odyssey and 30 plus hours into, uh, on the main story for, uh, Origins. And to be honest, I loved Origins. It was one of my games of the year in 2018. Um, but I think, I think it's going to, this title is going to speak to a broader range of people, especially people who were in love with 2018's God of War, um, and really sparking, that Norse uh, mythos and um, Viking theme that resonated with so many people with that game. I think that's going to hit a, hit a nerve with a lot of people and bring people in with that game. Um, overall, I, I personally think everything that they've shown with that kind of checks a box for me because when I think of Ubisoft open world games, I think of checklists. I think of, okay, here's the map. You can go wherever, do whatever, know if you go to this area, you're probably going to get your ass kicked, but you can still go there if you want. Um, you know, it's very open-ended, which I appreciate, but also, too, they make it so there's potential for you not to waste your time in there. Like, you could get lost if you want, but you could critical path it if you want as well. There's no ifs, ands, or buts between it, and that's why I think they've done really well transitioning to this open-world model with Assassin's Creed and more of an RPG approach to it, where... It still keeps its roots to the series, but also, too, takes all of the, I don't want to say tropes, because that kind of has a negative connotation, but, you know, things that have made open-world RPGs successful in the past into this formula. And they always have content for that game. I mean, God forbid, you'll never run out of content playing a new Assassin's Creed game. So, um, you know, I'm definitely excited. In terms of things I predict or think we'll see, like I said, I, I think a new Far Cry is all but given now um I'm, I'm interested to see how legion is received watchdogs legion um given everything that's going on in the world right now um i'm curious to see how that because it involves more hacking and profiling and things like that i i'm curious to see how it's received with the current climate right now, but I'm still excited for it. I think it looks cool. I'm excited to hear, uh, I know press got hands on previews with it this past week and are a lot of talk about it once the show wraps up on Sunday. So I'm excited to hear about that. Um, another title I'm really excited to see because of how much I loved the game that it inspired was, uh, gods and monsters. And it is a, Game in the sense of, from what we've heard, Breath of the Wild in terms of open air adventure style RPG mechanic light type, um, you know, very Zelda ish. And it's more Greek mythology, which 
I'm open to. I'm not against. Um, so I, I, you know, we'll see how that gels with me. But anything that gives me more Breath of the Wild esque feeling, I'm totally down for. And like I said, Obi, or Ubisoft, Ubisoft does great, in my opinion, with their open worlds where they're dense sometimes too dense um, if you want to get through a game. But at the same time, they know how not to waste your time if you don't want it. So I, I'm really excited for that. I'm see, excited to see how fans react to a game that is in the style of Breath of the Wild and is in the style of a Zelda, and especially that Zelda, that isn't from Nintendo, and see how well those mechanics and things like that hold up. Um, and then just last but not least, I, I hope we see Quarantine again. Uh, Rainbow Six Quarantine because I've been missing having a newer co-op shooter, a Left 4 Dead, uh, um, you know, Killing Floor, that type of experience that, you know, our group of friends can play and, you know, we can get viewers in on and whatnot. Like, we can open it up and have a bunch of people play this um, that there isn't a, you know, increasingly high skill ceiling that you can get with games like Rainbow Six and things like that with more tactical FPS games, but, you know, something that opens up like this that's a little more, um, you know, not casual friendly, but there's just less of a... Everyone could play a specific role, and it doesn't have to necessarily be somebody with, you know, 50 kills in a game or whatever. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, hopefully. I would imagine we definitely see that, because that, I think, is on their docket to release in the, this fiscal year coming up, so... Knock on wood, we'll see. I'm excited. Jesus I'm... Christ, don't make it fucking... I can't take another Division bullshit game, and I can't take <laughs> another bullshit Ghost Recon game. Yeah. Please, for the love of God. Please. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see how that, that pans out. But, Mike, let's head into Party Chat before we wrap up the episode this week. That is our segment that we brought back with a little bit of a twist. If you're a long-term listener, Party Chat... We used to do episodes dedicated to, hey, send in your questions, we'll go through, yada yada, more of a viewer mail type of thing, but we're bringing it back every week with a little bit of twist. We're going to propose one question each week at the end of the show that we want to discuss, could be as simple as, you know, what's your favorite story beat in the game, or what have you been playing during quarantine, or more in depth as, you know, why the negative stigma around gaming still exists, and after answering the questions ourselves, we'll kick it over to you to tweet your responses to the question over on our Twitter, at gpgc podcast and we'll read some of the responses the following week like to last week's question which was which do you think we will see first any new information regarding the elder scrolls 6 or the release of a 10th anniversary edition of skyrim for next gen consoles which we both said uh definitely the skyrim <laughs> so uh and matt welton or wetland sorry matt wetland echoes that same sentiment in a way there's not a chance in hell we see the elder scrolls 6 for at least another two or three years and i mean literally just a trailer and i bet my entire life savings that we'll see some form of skyrim on next gen system so i'm going with the latter matt i will absolutely take you up on that bet even though you'll probably win uh but if you're betting the life savings i'm totally down with that daddy's got some school loans he needs to pay off eventually before he's in the <laughs> so we all do so um Definitely, I totally agree with that. So, Mike, let's head into our question for this week. This week's question, which do you think is more important to the future of Microsoft and their gaming endeavors for the next console generation? A very successful esports title or a successful single-player franchise that has multiple sequels within this one gen? 
Um, this is like actually might come as a surprise to the people who know me. Mm-hmm. Most people would think that I'd be putting all my chips in an esports title, mm-hmm. but quite frankly, with them allowing you know Gears to be played on PC and Halo going to be played on PC, I'd imagine the esports will be played on that too because it's a a more stable um, platform and it's probably easier to set up lands and everything like that. I'm actually going with a successful single player franchise that has multiple sequels in one generation. I think that's the real, that's the biggest thing that's been holding Xbox back. I don't think there's really any denying that either because, you know, PlayStation has been killing them with their, you know, single player RPGs and everything. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's super important for them to, you know, really get off to a, you know, hot start with a RPG and, uh, or, you know, an action RPG of some sort, or um, just something, like, with with a cinematic experience. And, you know, you mentioned God of War briefly. You know, like, Sony has so many games that really just blow the doors off of what Microsoft has to offer. Mm-hmm. So I'm just really hoping that they're able to kind of make an adjustment here and, you know, get in the game when it comes to single-player games. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And, and, you know, I would... See, before, really, up until today, I would say, oh... Sony doesn't necessarily have an esports title. They they don't either. So it's not that big of a deal, I would say, mm-hmm. if they don't, because they could always have Halo Infinite come out, and it could boom now that it's releasing day and date on PC. And two, with the console market, but you see more, you know, you traditionally see esports titles that are at a high competitive level played on PC due to the technical limitations that consoles have. So, right. But... As of today, Epic Games received a $250, wow, that's not that much, $250 million investment from Sony that gives them a minority stake in the company. So, it doesn't directly say, like, oh, Fortnite or whatever. Now, that could branch out. Who the hell knows exactly what that $250 million is going to do necessarily fund within Epic, but when you have one of the biggest, quote-unquote, esports titles in the world, let alone one of the biggest video game titles in the world you know that kind of plays into it but i definitely i would love to see them have both i think with the way they're trending if it all depends on i guess it all depends on you know what sony does but Mm -hmm. i think i think we're at a point now where all esports titles like i was saying are pc predominantly and microsoft has that foothold in pc but I think they've tried different competitive multiplayer games recently. You've seen like Bleeding Edge and granted Bleeding Edge isn't super competitive, but if it would have took off, you know, who the hell knows? It's a hero shooter, hero melee type thing like Overwatch that who knows? It may have taken off, but I think the uber successful titles, you're not going to, you're not going to see a replica of Call of Duty come out where it's, you know, Call of Duty is still played on consoles primarily. And it's, that's where it's, high-end professional scene is played on consoles where we're probably not going to see that with a exclusive title. So I, I'm going to agree and say probably the single player just because they need to combat Sony directly with that, where Sony's just been shoving their fist down everyone's throat with that in a good way, where they're just giving you banger after banger after banger after banger yeah, of single-player I mean, experience, I mean... where Microsoft hasn't been able to do that for the past five-plus years. Yeah, and I think it's important, too, that Nintendo is kind of just in a different category. I mean, mm-hmm. they just have been doing their own thing for so long, and there's the diehard Zelda and Mario fans that no matter what are going to buy Nintendo. So I don't think 
that really has anything to do with it, like you said, as far as shoving, you know, their hand down their throats. Because I figured someone might be like, well, you know, Nintendo put out uh, Breath of the Wild and stuff. And it's like, yeah, but it's it's not really, I mean, it it's awesome, but it's not the same. You know what I mean? Those games are legacy games and they're not going anywhere for it. Anytime soon, hopefully. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you on that. And like you said, I would love to see them have a predominant eSport on Xbox. And even if Halo's only played on Xbox competitively, mm-hmm. it, that would just shock me. It's just, there's just no way when you, like you said, I mean, if Counter-Strike Global Offensive was on PC or Xbox, you know, and you could hook up a mouse and keyboard to your Xbox, people are still going to play it on PC. Right. This is better, right? Like the performance is so much better. And I think when it comes to shooters that's important and i think you know if if halo goes to that um model and it's a much better game much more stable a lot more fun you know that could pressure call of duty into moving into that and they're kind of stuck in a thing with sony right now so it'll just be interesting to see how that all plays out no definitely i i totally agree i i think we're going to see i think definitely more important is the race of first you know single player first party exclusive titles that we're really starting you've just seen sony dominate with and now microsoft has been very vocal about how they're going to combat that but that was our responses now it's time to hear yours like we said go over to our twitter at gpgc podcast to send us over your responses and like matt this week we may throw you on the show i don't know if you got a good response maybe i like you you know hey we'll fucking put you on there so be sure to go over to our twitter at gpgc send us over your responses and mike i think that's gonna do it for this week's show why don't you tell people where they could talk to you about our question of the week for party chat you know what do you think is more gonna be more important single player exclusives or an esports exclusive you know watchdogs and all that jazz that we talked about this week wb interactive where can people find you on the interwebs to talk about everything we talked about this week including them damn good video games Yes, sir. You can find me at T-O-Y-S-X-L-D-I-E-R on Twitter, and that's Toy Soldier with an X is the second O. You can find me on Twitch at MP underscore Toy Soldier. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think I've ever said this, and we've been doing this show for well over a year now, that our links to our social are down in the description. So if, like Mike's, it's a little complicated, it's right down in the description. So Wait, you, you mean to tell me that that's been there the whole for time? For like a year. My yes. dumb ass announced this? <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been there for a year. I, I still like telling the people. I still like having us tell the people and promote our shit. You know, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. But it's down in the links. Or links are down there below. But as always, I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travis, on most internet platforms, including Twitter at Travelis underscore that's t-r-a-v-l-e-s-s underscore you can also find me streaming time to time on twitch.tv slash Travelis underscore same as twitter and if you want to play some damn good video games with me you can do so over on xbox live and really any other you know gaming service at just regular Travelis t-r-a-v-l-e-s-s no underscore and that has been ladies and gentlemen your newest episode of the game pass gamecast your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversations around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz, wherever you get a podcast at, and follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast to stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games, like, and our dope giveaways. 
And Mike, with that being said, that's going to do it for our episode this week. Thank you everyone so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of our growing community. Game on, wash your fucking hands, wear a goddamn mask, and we will see you next week.